Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. today is grounded in this worship series about fueling our faith through God's means of grace. And of course, those come to us in the United Methodist Church through our three general rules. And we will review them again. The first is by doing no harm, by avoiding evil of every kind. The second is to do all the good that you can in all the ways that you can to all those whom you can. And the third is to attend upon the ordinances of God which are the public worship of God, the ministry of the word, either read or expounded, the supper of the Lord, family and private prayer, searching the scriptures, fasting or abstinence. And so today we will be talking about searching the scriptures, which is not to be confused with the ministry of the word, either read or expounded. So what's the difference? What's the difference between searching the scriptures and the ministry of the word? Well, I'm engaging in the ministry of the word right now as I have read to you scripture and now I am hopefully going to open the scriptures up to you in a way that is contextually relevant, but also to increase your awareness, perhaps grow in some wisdom, and ultimately call us into account so that we can grow in our love for God and others. That's the ministry of the word. And you could read that if I were to write that down, or you can listen to it as it's expounded upon by me and very many other clergy all over the world. But searching the scriptures is something that is an active engagement on our part. I wish that I could tell you if you just took this Bible home and laid it out somewhere and let a nice layer of dust accumulate on it, and then you took it out at dinner one night and you blew it off so that the dust flew in the air like pixie dust, that suddenly you would be brilliant biblical scholars. That's not true. If anything, you're just going to be disgusted at the layer of dust that has accumulated on your Bible. And I'm sure no one here has dust on a Bible at home. Instead, we are called to do work with this book. This book requires work. There was a time when books didn't exist, and so the original scriptures, after they were codified and written down, were on large scrolls, scrolls so long that they would completely pave this aisle here. You could just roll them out, and it was work. You had to roll out the scripture, and then you had to try to find what it was that you wanted to read because it wasn't so conveniently listed in chapter and verse and divided by books. Some of the scrolls were so immense that eventually they had to divide them just so that people could carry the scrolls such as the Psalms and Isaiah. Those are some huge texts. And so there was work involved. And one of the things that people always notice when they pick up a Bible is that it is what? Heavy. It's a big book. It's dealing with heavy topics. It's dealing with a God who is so large and so vast and immense and whose love is so unfathomable to us that it takes all of this just to try to paint you a picture All of this just to give you a glimpse. And we have to work at it. That's why you have to search the scriptures. Not open it up and simply pluck what you want. You must search within them. And that sounds like work. And who wants to do work, especially on Sunday? Why should we do work? We should do work because buried within these pages 
is everything that we will ever need in order to fulfill what God has asked for us. Inside these words, these books, these gospel accounts, these epistles and letters to the early church and to leadership in the early church are these testimonies and these descriptions of the ways in which God has been very present with humankind from the very beginning. And when we aren't willing to put in the work to engage this, then we forsake it. And it's easy to say, well, you know, it's just beyond me. I'm going to let somebody else take care of that. I wasn't kidding when I showed the children many different lenses. Because what happened was there was a time period in Christendom where we thought there were only certain people who really should be reading this book. And they were all very male, and they were all very ordained, and they were all of one theological slant. And we in Christendom were wrong. This is God's word for God's people. And I have a perspective to bring, but so do each and every one of you here. You bring a perspective to the Bible. There are two ways of reading the Bible, and they're very large words. The first is exegesis, that is to read out of the text. That is to open the Bible and to find the place and then try to figure out what God is saying to us. What does God want us to bring back out of the text and put into our vessels and into our lives? Exegesis. The other you're probably more familiar with, which is called eisegesis, to read into the text, to take my opinions and what I want the text to do for me and to find the piece that I can then say, this is what it means. You've seen that. That produces ungodly evil in the world. When people decide to proof text, this is what the Bible says. It says here that there are certain people who should be slaves and they should be nice to their masters. It says here that there are people who should be silenced and that they should do so gladly. It says here that there are times when it's okay to hate and perpetuate violence because this is what it says. But for every negative opinion, there is more grace and more love in this Bible. And if you let someone else read the Bible and tell you what it means, and you never engage it, then for centuries, we will perpetuate the same sin that has existed in the church, which is that we think that this is only for a few instead of for everyone. One of the greatest gifts that Christianity ever received was that this became to all of us. That it was no longer sequestered and kept away that it had to be given in your language, that it had to be given to you so that you may read it. Because what we found the more that we started to read it was that this is a tool of liberation. This is a gift to say that all people have a place in the kingdom to come, that it's not just men or women or adults or children, or people of a certain skin color, or people of a certain socioeconomic class, or people of a first nationality, that instead, it is for all people, because God loves all of us. And the multiplicity of opinion, the divergence of interpretation, is built into the text. We have 
four different accounts of how Jesus lived and ministered and spoke and taught and died. Because the Bible values at its core divergence. It values the fact that we are not all the same, nor are we meant to be. The best thing I could show you is if I had a Bible that was filled with glitter. And if I could open up that Bible and just blow out the glitter, because you know what happens with glitter? It doesn't go away. You'll find it for months, right? And glitter is like grace in this. That glitter, in addition to being one of my favorite colors, enables us to sparkle. It takes something that might otherwise be dull, and it gives it a little shine. So that the more we move and the more we play around in the light, the more that there is this refraction and the light sparkles and glitters and, and sends forth. That's what grace is, brothers and sisters. Grace is God permeating our lives visually and with every sense so that we can understand that God is not just here, but God is here. And God wants to be out there too. And we accomplish that will of God through grace. And we will never truly understand what grace should look like or how that should be if we don't read the instructions. Now you can play along for a little bit. You know, like when you get a brand new smartphone and you're like, I'll just figure it out. And you can play around for a little bit, but eventually you will still miss some of the details of how you can accomplish great and mighty things if you don't read the instructions. And so we have to do that. God has given us the means, the machination by which we can do this. It's called Bible study. It's called people getting together and exploring what the text means. And here at Crozet United Methodist Church, we have multiple Bible studies. And guess what? They're not all the same. I know I look just like Steve Flora. And I know that I sound just like Steve Flora, and Steve and I could easily be mistaken for one of another. But Steve and I are very different people. And my Bible study doesn't look like the one that Steve leads. Right? And the same can be true. I know Steve also looks just like Mary Alice Gaskell in the back with a big hat. I know that. And I know that it's very hard for us sometimes to tell their voices apart. Steve, say hello. Mary Alice. See? It's very confusing. They sound very much the same, don't they? I promise you that Mary Alice probably doesn't do much the same as Steve. I promise you that there are distinct differences by how we do things. And Clifton sometimes teaches Bible study in his D3, right? So there's Bible study there, and Claire Kent will do it in Women of Faith. And guess what? We are not all the same people. I know that's really hard to believe. If you line us all up, we look exactly the same. But we are very different. And the advantage is that all of us love God in a different way. We all encounter God's grace uniquely. And we all bring different gifts and graces to the table when we read this holy text. And so by sharing that, we encounter God in different ways. But the most blessed thing about searching the scriptures is that you are empowered to have an opinion. You are able to say, this is what it sounds like to me. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with your opinion. It may not be authoritative, but there's nothing wrong with it. 
And sometimes we need to hear things that aren't authoritative just so that we can wrestle with what we think is right. This book tells us explicitly in Genesis that part of being a good believer in God is literally wrestling with God. Jacob in Genesis. Literally wrestling. So when people go, well, you're not allowed to question. What? Everybody should have the opportunity to question what's in here. Everybody should have an opportunity to go, well, is that literally true? Is it spiritual truth? Is it metaphorical? Is it allegorical? What are we talking about here? What are we doing? Because we have to wrestle with what this is. And if Christians, everyday Christians, don't read this book and figure out what it has to say, I'm telling you from Christian history, we are not going to like what people tell us this says. It has been used for genocide. It has been used to cause generations and generations of suffering and pain, violence and death because people didn't read it. Because if you know what it says, then you know that people can't tell you that it's okay to hurt other people. Because when Jesus had the chance to let his disciples slaughter those who came after him with the sword, he said, no, put away your sword. When we read encounters of people being pushed to the side because they weren't the ideal, Jesus said, bring them here. Bring them closer. And when people said, you know, your children are loud and distracting and you just need to, you need to get, you need to, they're bothering Jesus. Jesus said, let them come to me. And woe to you if you try to stop them. We have to be able to say those things. There are so many times where I have been able to, in a very appropriately sarcastic way, rebuff what somebody has to say because I know my Bible. Somebody codified that for me this past week. I was spending Tuesday and Wednesday at the retreat center in Roslyn with provisional elders and deacons, those who are on their journey to ordination. And God only knows why they're entrusted into my care. But they were with me. And one of them after our first session said, you know, you have this like God speak. And I was like, what does that mean? And she said, it means that when you talk, you just effortlessly like bring out the Bible. You're not necessarily citing because I'm not one of those people. She said, but you will talk about it. And it reminds me of Paul and how he does, he, you know, he's kind of bringing all that into the letters. And I just really like that. And I was like, well, good, because you're kind of stuck with it for another two years. But I appreciate that. And I've never really thought about it. But I've shared with you before that the more you read the Bible, the more it becomes infused. Just like people who are really musically inclined, the, the lyrics that they love become part of their speech. Right? Next thing you know, you're like citing the Beatles and you didn't even realize it. It's, it gets ingrained with you. And then you have people who are cinemaphiles, right? They're just obsessed with movies and they live their life in movie quotes. And you realize that the more you engage with something, the more it becomes infused in your brain and the more you come to enjoy it, the more it just flows out of you. And scripture can be like that. Like the time I was a youth pastor while I was in seminary and the parents said to me, you've got to help us. Our son has his hair growing really long and we think he needs a haircut. First of all, that's not an argument I want to have. And second of all, I said, well, maybe he's like Samson and his hair is his glory and his power. And if you cut it, then he'll be stripped of all that God has given him. And the mom goes, that's not helpful. <laughs> but it's biblical. 
right? This is who we are. Like when I drink lots and lots of coffee and people are like, are you okay drinking all that coffee? And I'm like, this is transformed holy water. It's been infused with power. And yes, I'm going to need about two more cups to get through this day. Right? There are things that we can do because God has given us this great gift. Here it is. There's all kinds of good things in here. I keep trying to tell people this. You know, when, um, when, I was re- when we started the Bible study that I lead on Thursday nights, we started in Genesis 1-1. And I was like, I have no idea where we're going to go. Let's just start in Genesis and see where we go. So we started in Genesis, and then that rolled into Exodus. Shocking, I know. And then we came to the point where all of us had to make a decision together. Do we go into Leviticus? And it's a scary moment. It's a very scary moment. I'm about to get really real with you. And... And there's about 20 to 25 of us in this Bible study. And people were like, all right, what are we going to do now? And I said, well, it's your study. I've read all of it. What do you want to do? And only one person wanted to go right into Leviticus. Only one. And so someone said, well, couldn't you just give us like your, you know, Pastor Sarah's top 10 passages? And I'm like, my top 10 Levitical passages? No, I don't think I could do that. So I decided to do something that I tell people never to do. I opened up to Leviticus, and I just started reading. And I read something about when a man has an emission of semen. And I stopped. And everyone looked at me like, are you kidding me? I was like, it's in there. And they just looked at me, and they were like, well, what happens? And I said, you'll have to read it. And then there was talk, and, and all of a sudden somebody goes, can we vote again? Yeah, let's vote again. All right, who wants to read Leviticus? Boom, they all wanted to read Leviticus. You know why? Because despite what people have falsely told you, this is about us. This is about human beings and all of our physical, our mental, our emotional issues, and our sexual ones. This is about us, and we are in here. You can find yourself in here, I guarantee it. And when we read it together, first of all, it's just incredible what God has given us. It's amazing. And the thing is that God is too smart to just lay it all out there really clearly for us. God likes to layer it in narrative so that you have to kind of break it down. You have to masticate, kind of chew on the text and figure out what it means. And I guarantee you that we read it differently depending on who we are and where we are in our lives. As someone whose life has been forever broken and been victimized by adultery, I read this book very differently now. As someone who has a child and spends late nights thinking about what kind of world my child will be left to inherit, I read this book very differently now. But what we bring to it is authentic It is us. And so we are empowered and encouraged. And I think God does truly want us to engage this book. And so we must search. We must journey. And sometimes that means we journey alone. But most of the time that means that we find people who will journey with us. And I'll tell you, there is something unparalleled and beautiful about people who say, We're going to go on this incredible journey together through a book that nobody has fully figured out. And we're going to try to find some sense of divine truth here and figure out what it means for us. 
And every Thursday, I gather together with about 20 to 25 people, and we take that journey, and none of us come out on the same place. And that is a good and right and joyful thing always. Because it's not about where we come out. It's about with whom we walk. It is about the people that we choose to be in relationship with and the God with whom we choose to walk. And so what that you don't come out on the end of this with a master's in divinity? So what that there are people with a PhD in the Old Testament? So what that you might not ever be one of those things? Your understanding of the scripture is just as important as mine or anyone else's. But you will have no understanding if you do not read it. And so we spend all this time and this energy producing Bibles that will appeal to you. This one has thumb indexing. This one has coloring pages. This one has full text and color. This one happens to be digital. Because some time in your life you must search. And what will you find? beneath all of the laws and the ordinances, beneath all the stories and the prophecy, beneath all the really confusing things, and there's a lot of sex to weed through. Beneath all of that is a firm foundation that God knows you and loves you. And that is the only way, brothers and sisters, that we are ever going to know peace in this life, is to discover at the root of this text, beneath all of the subtext, is that you are known and loved. And this is what we are called to live out. This is why it is truly a means of grace. You will encounter grace if you search the scriptures. And don't just open it up and read Leviticus alone. Do it together. Because like glitter, this becomes embedded in who you are. It becomes a part of you. And people will start looking at you and going, you know, you got a little, little something right here. Oh, you mean like when I look at you like you're Jesus? Yeah. The Bible taught me that. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One now and forever. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.